Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron, a podcast featuring Elvira Love and Deborah Voith, two out-of-the-broom-closet professional witches with over 70 years' combined experience of making magic. This is a show on the LMC Radio Network. During each episode, Elvira and Deb will help you create rituals, cast spells, make potions, and much more besides. They'll spend time speaking about different goddesses from all over the world, paying attention to the ancient reverence of long-ago cultures and infusing it with a modern perspective. Elvira, Deb, take it away. Well, hello. Well, hello. <laughs> and welcome to tonight's show. This is Deborah Voice, and I am here with co-host Elvira Love and our magical announcer, Nagashiva Ironwood. Keeping with this month's theme of the balance of shadow and light tonight, we will be talking about imposter syndrome. But first, we're going to catch up with each other and see how the past week has been. Um, so my week, kind of coming towards the end of January here, and I still have my Christmas tree up. <laughs> I don't know why I have gotten more emotionally attached to this tree than I have to other trees in the past. It has not dropped any needles. It still smells really good. and But I have to take it down because I am having uh, a birthday celebration for my husband and um, we're not going to be able to fit people in the house if I don't <laughs> start making some more room. So, <laughs> so it's farewell Christmas tree <laughs> or Yule Aww. tree. Yeah, yeah, it was a good one. I I will try to keep it and repurpose it into firewood. Um, outside firewood, I'm not going to burn pine indoors. We'll end up with a bunch of creosote in my chimney. Um, but anyway, so January over on this end. Um, of things is uh, my January is so it's so much about celebrating family and birthdays and more birthdays. <laughs> by I know I was just we were just talking before and I was saying by the time I get to the end of January, I'm kind of tired out. Uh, we have a lot of uh, Capricorns and Aquarius people in my family. Uh, three of my grandkids, my husband John and my son Justin's lovely wife. Tabitha, uh, all have or had birthdays this month. So we've been doing a lot of singing, <laughs> a lot of birthday cakes, a lot of blowing out candles, and a lot of, <laughs> of course, eating a lot of cake. <laughs> um, right. Yeah. And and just like a lot of um, folks, I'm having some very odd weather. I mean, it's very, it is wintry. We do have snow on the ground here. Uh, but it's also uh, very you see, because it, the temperature keeps fluctuating, and so it kind of rains a little, then it snows a little, then it ices up. <laughs> and then for the last two days, we've had some thick fog, which is really kind of fun. Um, <laughs> being right next to Lake Michigan. Um, so on the other thing, I'll just mention one more thing, is that, um, and I'll buy, I might say more about this, but we are going to be having a change in our broadcast day coming up, going from Tuesdays to Thursdays. So, got that to look forward to. How about you, Albira? How was your week? Well, uh, full of <laughs> the crosshatch of winter in a place that has a season called winter. California's winter <laughs> was wet. And it's somewhat damp, cold, you know, Kate Fogg, yes, but, you know, it's sometimes a little icy. But not, you know, I mean, we're not talking the kindest things that I am now experiencing in Arkansas. And <laughs> as I was saying, I have found the miracle of rock salt, which, you know, I've heard about it. I know about it, all the things. Yes, it's part of you know, it will destroy cars because they put it on the road. Well, actually, the weird part was I technically live on a little, the the little neighborhood I'm in um, has two streets, 
an upper and a lower, and I'm on the upper. And the way it comes in and everything, it's technically a county road. The others are private roads. And so the county won't plow it. It won't treat it. But we got treated uh. this time, <laughs> and they did beet shoots. Oh. And I was just like, oh, boy, it's the first time what I've seen they? beet shoots out. Beet juice. Beet juice? Like beet the, juice. the vegetable yep. beet? Yeah, really? the vegetable beet. Uh-huh. What it's is, another very do? viable way, and it's an alternative oh. to the rock salt so it doesn't destroy cars and, you know, the metals and oh, everything. Wow. So, yeah, I kind of... Oh, that's good to know and, because, um, you know, what my concern is is that walking our dog, is she, um, she ends up stepping on a lot of salt during this time yes. of year, and it, it bothers your paws. So that's, oh, that's yes. interesting. That's good to know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, it, it, was, it was like I had known about it, and for some reason I thought it was like pomegranate juice, but it's actually beet juice. Huh. And so I was like, oh, wow, I wish they would do it here. Well, obviously they have started doing that, um, which I find fascinating. And so that was <laughs> part of my excursion into, you know, the fact that we had snow, and then, of course, as I was saying, we went snow, we went ice, then we wound up with um, sleet and cold rain, and then we wound up with rain, and we wound up with fog. <laughs> like you, we have, you know, these intense fog areas. So um, my experience now is, is really run a gamut, and um, I found that fascinating. Of course, I treat my areas so I can go to my carport so that I can start my cars like a good owner of a car so that you run your engine and, you know, make sure it gets, it can start and all the, the fluids go through and all the rest of it, which, you know, cold weather in California kind of did it, but it wasn't really like a big thing unless you live in the Sierras. But So that's been a bulk oh. of what it was, you know, <laughs> other than, you know, running off to get, now I know this is going to make everybody laugh because over the summer, I had my other car, which was my only car at the time, decide that its air conditioning decided to die. And so it's 20-plus-year-old car, and some parts are available and some aren't. And so it was a journey to get the darn thing fixed. It took a year. Um, And I get the second car, and it has great air conditioning. And it got, you know, things were all new. You know, it wasn't new-new, but she'd replaced a lot. Well. (laughs) <laughs> as would be the case, I started using it now, and the heating system went out. So that was my journey. This week was to get it to my mechanic because I could drive because the roads were good and get it there and then have him go through the process and go, you know, fix the things that needed to be fixed. And then I just said, mm-hmm. look, look at the engine and then if there's something that needs to be done that's within reason, like, you know, a gasket or spark plugs, we will do that now because I want it all kind of. So my friends in California started laughing, going, well, it's sort of like a baptism by fire. You get there, your air conditioning goes out in the hottest times and your heating goes out in the coldest times. I said, yeah, my car has definitely decided to. Always a challenge. (laughs) Yes. So those were my big experiences. The rest of it is just, you know, um, kind of hanging out and, and I've been, I know this is strange and then I'll stop. I have, I have gotten into, and I never did at the beginning when it first was out, uh, got into the TV series Monk. And oh. the fact that it's filmed in a bulk of the time, it's filmed in San Francisco or the areas around San Francisco, you know, the Sonoma County, the one that I watched most recently was in the wine country. And um, even though he is a detective, but he isn't on the force anymore, he's compulsive obsessive, he is ADHD, and there's a lot of reasons. But it's fascinating because I I, I find it interesting and amusing in the sense that I can follow him even though I'm not compulsive obsessive ADHD or any of those. But mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. it's entertaining, which I, I think mm-hmm. during this time frame that's probably one of the things I want the most is to be entertained if I'm gonna be sitting here in a house mm-hmm. where I can can't go anywhere. 
Now, yeah. I'm going to yeah. turn it over to you so you can start us on our, our subject for the day. Our subject, yes. Okay. So I'm just going to start us off here with um, kind of like defining what imposter syndrome is. Um, so imposter syndrome is pr- pretty much like it sounds. Um, it's the internal state of self-doubt regarding our skills, our talents, our accomplishments. Um, and there's a lot of fear associated with imposter syndrome, um, as well as the persistent belief that, that we are frauds in some way, that we are not competent and that we are going to be exposed and found defective in some way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this um, fear, you know, causes a lot of trouble on its own, but combine it with a little self-doubt, and you can really brew up a very (laughs) destructive energy within yourself. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, it's, um, the I guess the pervasive thing is it's accompanied by the feeling that we do not uh, deserve the success that we are experiencing or that, um, that we're really not good enough despite um, evidence to the contrary surrounding us. Um, Mm -hmm. And then, you know, that can kind of lead into Um, self-sabotage. So it's like a vicious little internal circle (laughs) that can start happening. And just to, um, before we go on, just to give like a little history about it is like that term imposter syndrome is kind of new in a way. Well, for an old lady, lady like me, it's kind of new because it came about um, the first time it was used um, in a publication was in the late 70s in an article titled The Imposter Phenomena in High Achieving Women, um, mm-hmm. Dynamics and Therapeutic Intervention. And so it was written by um, Pauline Clance and Suzanne Imes and these two researchers had surveyed over 100 women who had records of high achievement, but despite there being, you know, external validation, these women lacked uh, the internal acknowledgement of their accomplishment. And so um, it's thought that about 70% of people in general will experience it. Um, and although the study, you know, the original study was on women, but both men and women experience this syndrome, although kind of reportedly in different ways. And so um, so this is just very general that I'm talking about because I'm sure that, you know, as individuals, if we do ever experience this, which probably most of us will or do at some point in our life. Um, but um, just to, you know, put it out there, the research has shown that women will usually experience imposter syndrome in regard to their performance. While men, with men it usually surfaces like it's the fear of being unsuccessful or not good enough. And um, um, I I know the first time I heard that um, that term, you know, I I was I became very interested in it. And I could relate it to, like, different points in my life. Um, and um, and I've talked to a lot of other uh, people, both, you know, in the mundane and the magical communities that have, you know, gone through that experience. And so um, just kind of starting out here, I know that, the simple act of identifying imposter syndrome and be, you know, just being able to take a step back and to see that negative internal cycle of statements for what they are can really go a long way towards improving and gaining coping skills to, to deal with them. Um, so that's what I'm hoping is just by talking about it, it will really kind of help. Mm-hmm. a lot in general just to be aware of it and then you know once you're aware of it you can take actions to transform that state of mind and then that will actually start to transform you in general you know it just um how about you Elvira I know I kind of have been um 
going on about um, some of the general characteristics about um, imposter syndrome. Um, what are some of your thoughts? Well, you know, listening and, and kind of going over, it's, it's amazing because we always, you and I talk before the show, we, we have a planning session and, and then we go off and we do our own personal research and everything. And it's funny that a lot of times <laughs> our research, there are things that you say that are a part of my research and obviously I'm sure that's <laughs> what I say, but it's kind of, you know, so kind of checking. Um, it was interesting because one of the things that, I realized is that you have different um, you know, different versions of of what people are like, you know, meaning you know they they people you know how it impacts you, what you do, you either trying to please people or you're perfectioning you know like go perfectionism, go into paralysis or procrastination those are those are part of the actions that happen because of this internal um, set of feelings and thoughts. And, um, you know, it, it fascinates me because they, one of the things I found is how, you know, the cycle goes. How do you have the imposter cycle? You know, kind of they broke it down. So you start a new project or a task. Then suddenly you wind up with anxiety, procrastination, or you wind up over preparation. Okay, the project mm. then completes. Then you have a brief relief or a sense of accomplishment. But then you start rationalizations like I was lucky or somebody else will, would have done it better. And then that increases your self-doubt and anxiety and feeling like a fraud. And I was thinking that is so true, you know, because what happens mm-hmm. is, and this is the part that I really want to stress, is that uh, imposter syndrome lives either in the past or the future. It is never in the present moment. Uh-huh. And so what people have suggested, and I found I do this, which is really weird, is you mm-hmm. write in the present moment. You, you say you write either a journal or you write lists. And in those lists, you put down things of what you, you know, at this moment, how are you, you know, what you, you know, the ways you support yourself or reminding yourself that you, of your, of what is good or great in you, you know, putting in those aspects in the moment to replace that doubt and fear and anxiety. Um, it, it, it's a step-by-step process, but I was really taken by that because bar none, I mean, I know I get this. I know you and I have talked about it. I know you've talked about things around you. It's, it, it's always about feeling we, you know, we did good. We really did good. And then all of a sudden, is, you know, it starts to slide because we're comparing ourselves to externals. And I know that that is part of, and this goes back to what causes this, where does this start? And, of course, everybody goes, childhood, you know, and family and, and all that. And it is true. It's society, really, because what you're doing is you're trying to measure up to what is expected of you in some form, whether it's in school or in family or with, you know, groups that you get into, things like that. And it. It's really important to make your your inner self strong. And I know we'll be talking mm-hmm. more about this when we get to the second half because then there's the magical metaphysical as well as the you know the the mundane that we will discuss. But that's what comes mm-hmm. to mind strongly here with mm-hmm. uh, you know, I mean there's a lot of information and you know how to go about getting help and and, you know, it's usually, uh, you know, the first thing everyone has discussed about is therapy, and I think that's really good. But there's mm-hmm. also the personal that you need to work with, and that can come from um, friends or mentors or, you know, um, just like I said, writing and journaling, something where you're, 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 putting yourself in the present moment as opposed to trying to compare yourself with what you did do or what you aren't sure you can do. 
and on that, I'm turning oh, it yeah. to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's um, um, you just put a lot of good thoughts out there. That um, yeah, I think that um, what I saw like with the imposter cycle is um, it was some um, some college had put out that what they noticed with students that were in that imposter cycle is that that they would um, overwork or overfunction to compensate for a fear of being discovered as a fraud. And, um, yeah, and I think that, you know, the other end of it, what you said about procrastinating and stuff and then rushing to, you know, um, to put it in as, you know, put in as much as possible is also another um aspect of that whole imposter cycle. Um mm-hmm. I I didn't see this anywhere but what um just because of some of the stuff that I've um studied or worked with in the past is you know, I can see where a lot of the whole um imposter cycle could be connected to what um is called toxic shame where um instead of feeling um, like a healthy shame where, like, if you did something bad, it's like, oh, you know, I'm, I shouldn't have done that. You know, I'm ashamed that I did that, you know, because of mm-hmm. that act, you know. But mm-hmm. the toxic shame is where it's not just the act. It's I. I am defective. I am, you know, um, ashamed, you know, because I I am toxic, you know, it's like you're mm-hmm. you're the shame rather than you just, you know, made a mistake or an error or misjudgment and you did something that you would feel like, I think, a healthy shame, there's nothing wrong with that, but where mm-hmm. you have, like, that whole thing of, like, not just am I what I did wrong, but I am wrong. And so right. I think that um, that can come from a number of different sources and um you know of course it can you know be from trauma or you know things in childhood different like family dynamics um i also you know um think that sometimes the family dynamics might not even be you know anything that are so um have bad bad intentions but sometimes it can be like I think that helicopter parents, sometimes if that's laid on too thick, you know, it can, you know, cause that self-doubt. Um, and so it's sometimes I think, you know, as a parent myself, too, it's, sometimes it's hard to kind of let go and let your kids make mistakes and, and kind of grow from that and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. and, but then we can go way to the other extreme where, there might be, you know, a family dynamic where there's, like, these really harsh or um, unrealistic expectations. And so that can spout, like, a whole bunch of different um, feelings of, you know, poor self-worth, shame, um, you know, and then putting unrealistic expectations on yourself can really cause all of that stuff to manifest. But I like also what you pointed out that I think makes the biggest difference, Elvira, is that, you know what, whether it's the past or whether it's, you know, dwelling into the future, it's like we really only have today. And so mm-hmm. I don't think there's anything wrong with exploring, like, you know, what what caused this, what's the origin of this whole imposter mm-hmm. syndrome. But the other thing is that I think that it's really important to just, you know, to maybe examine that, to look at the past. Don't stay in the past. Don't dwell in the past. It's like, okay, what can I do today to change or to make, you know, to help myself heal and to and to grow beyond this? And so, right. um, yeah, yeah. So I think that that, you know, staying in today is probably one of the healthiest, most important things. Um, that any of us can do. And, um, you know, I've always heard that the whole thing, like, with depression is usually dwelling on the past, and anxiety has a lot to do with, you know, dwelling in the future. And, you know, and when we do that, we're really not 
we're not being here, we're not being present today. So, yeah. 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 <laughs> well, and one of the other things before, I know we're getting close to our break time, but um, mm-hmm. one of the other things of causes, and this is really true, is cultural expectations, not just family, but cultural expectations of, you know, where, you know, where you are, you know, different values, how much they put on education and career, that kind of a thing, success is defined mm-hmm. differently. So, you know, there's um, these layers and, you know, how close you are to certain things. Like I know a lot of immigrant families may have certain things that are closer to the surface because of that. Then they're the ones like, you know, my family, mm-hmm. part of them came from Italy back in the 1800s. So, you know, mm-hmm. that had its thing, but then it came through different family generations and then shifted a bit. So there were, you know, different permeations. But um, that really struck me because of different things that we're seeing now in our, you know, the United States with people coming in um, from different yes. uh countries and cultures and then we've had that over the past if you take them out and then you kind of look and go well we had you know a lot of Asians or we had a lot of Europeans or we had you know whatever it was that were coming in and what Mm -hmm. those expectations are and then people you know live their lives they meet people they marry they have kids you know and then that kind of you know that's part of Yes, understanding our heritage, understanding our history, understanding our past, but mm-hmm. it's also learning to, you know, shift because of obviously this kind of a situation as one of many imposter syndrome um, is very um, debilitating. So. Oh yeah, yeah, and yeah, that raises like the whole question that's been going on for many years about the whole uh, concept of you know. IQ and intelligence testing where it's depending on the person's background and stuff, it can take um, some of those questions to really take on a very different form. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But with that, I think it is time for our break. And so I'm going to stop here and we'll pick this back up again in a couple of minutes um, when we come back. So break us away, Nagashiva. You're listening to The Witch, The Priestess, and The Cauldron, a radio podcast on the LMC Radio Network. Stay tuned as more magic is coming your way right after these messages. You're listening to the LMC Radio Network, broadcasting out of Forestville, California, on the World Wide Web at LuckyMojo.com. The LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include the Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rework Hour with Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman, Sundays, 3 to 4.30. Mystics, Mages, and Magical Places with Reverend Art and Reverend James, Mondays, 4 to 5.30. The Crystal Silence League Hour with John St. Germain, in syndication, Tuesdays. The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and the Phoenix Lafay, in syndication, Tuesdays. The Now You Know Show with Professor Porterfield, in syndication, Wednesdays. And The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Deborah Voigt, Thursdays, 4 to 5, all time specific, at 3 hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. All right, welcome back. Uh, Today we are talking about the phenomena of imposter syndrome, what it means, what it's about, and how it manifests and some of the different ways of transforming this negative internal dialogue. Um, and we also want to touch on how having imposter syndrome affects us in both the mundane and the magical. So would you like to start off with some of your thoughts, Elvira? 
Well, um, sure, <laughs> it certainly can work in any direction we can go here. <laughs> um, I think that, you know, if you think about what, I mean, what can be the triggers? I mean, obviously we've talked about a cycle. We've talked about, you know, schools and, and things like that. But um, if you're in a high-pressure environment, you know, uh, it will it will trigger you, whether it's um, a job, school, um, even a relationship, you know, where there's, you know, like, for instance, people in, we were talking about this in a very weird way, people that are in the entertainment industry, people that are in the, you know, even political arena, meaning in the light, you have a lot of that be pressure uh, to to show your best, be your best, and of course, uh, all of us, you know, know we we have faults. All of us know we aren't the ideal person, and so we push harder. And I think that's part of, you know, what becomes a trigger. And then it's really for us that you know to try and find ways to see something rather than, you know, in a in a less challenging way that would make mm-hmm. us feel less inadequate and anxious. Um, but, you know, deadlines are deadlines, and everybody gets deadlines, whether it's deadlines to do our mm-hmm. IRS returns or deadlines for a school paper or, you know, mm-hmm. whatever, our deadlines for our show. Um, you know, there are always those triggers. It's just how do we find the ways to shift that? How would you do that, Deb? Right. Um, well, well, what I was thinking about, like, in um, in the mundane world, there's, there, I think that there are certain groups that are going to find this definitely more challenging. You know, anybody who's doing public speaking um, and... Well, some of um, well, anything. Anytime you're encountering something new, I think that there's that pressure um, that comes about. Um, mm-hmm. Or like you were saying, like with deadlines. And so, if we're in a new environment or a new career, um, maybe a different uh, workplace, you know, school, academics, us. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, um, I think in um, some of us might have trouble um, in uh, love relationships or um, even in platonic social relationships where you um, maybe have that pressure to want to fit in or to be accepted or loved. And so um, you, you know, just like the beginning of any lover's relationship, you present your best <laughs> self. Right. <laughs> and, right. Um, yeah, and so, you know, that, I think that, that that's, you know, that, that's pretty typical, I would think. Um, but then um, in relationships, as they go on, people might feel, have that underlying feeling of um, being unworthy or undeserving of another person's mm-hmm. attention or accolades mm-hmm. or, you know, and so, and that manifests lots of time in you know, being fearful or uh, people pleasing or perfectionism, and um, and it's you know going way way to the other end of the spectrum. You know, going totally away from self acceptance and into wanting to be you know having these unrealistic expectations and wanting to be something that we're not. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I think you know we all have our you know, strengths and weaknesses. And um, one example that I kind of think about in the mundane world um, was in nursing school. And so um, when, <laughs> when we, and there's like so many different things that come up with that because you're you're being schooled and trained to do a variety of different things to take care of people. And so when, uh, I can remember like when we first started giving injections, um, we had um, plenty of practice. Um, we knew, um, well, we would, <laughs> we would practice back then. 
I don't know what they do in nursing school now, but we would practice on oranges. <laughs> oh. Um, yeah a little weird but you know that you know was a readily available thing and um we had like weeks of practice and we were you know uh, educated and super aware of universal caution and knowing the rationale behind each step and um the different parts of the body and then you finally get into your clinicals and you start actually giving them to a real person and um and you do it while <laughs> while your instructor stares intently at each step along the way oh, as she watches, you know, with the <laughs> one raised eyebrow, you know. Um, yep. So I know the first couple of times I gave an injection, I was like, I felt like I was outside of my body watching mm-hmm. myself along with the instructor. And so I could see, like, total... <laughs> imposter syndrome, you know, full-fledged, you know, coming forward within me. And um, I was trying to remember, like, how that exact moment, um, because I think that's where you have to, because it's going to come up for all of us, and, and whatever it is that we're doing. And this is where you have to kind of take, like, a leap of faith. Like, you're fearful, and, and maybe your hands are shaking a little, uh, but you have the good experiences and the positive feedback in your recent history. And, and that helps, but then you're, like, at that juncture where you have to make the choice, like, to believe in yourself. So mm-hmm. some, you know, might call that acting as if or faking it till you make it. Uh, but whatever you call it, it, it's a very real thing, and it's there, like, hanging in the air. And and you have to kind of make a choice to step into it. And um, I know for myself, you know, being an Aries, Aries have a hard time with ego as it is, you know. Um, But (laughs) (laughs) they do. And it's just like, and I can really laugh at myself with some of this stuff because I know that anytime I take my ego out of the equation, that's one of the most helpful things that I can do. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so I remember having to remind myself that this is, this was not about me giving that first shot, because the bigger thing was that it was about helping the patient who needed this injection mm-hmm. to help them heal, mm-hmm. and so that's what I really needed to focus on more. And I could remember very clearly, like my whole face and neck turning red, my hands were shaking a little, and I just remember that thought, and I was just like, oh. Oh, right. This isn't about me, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> um, but you know, and the other thing is, though, it's like okay, that's one challenge. But we're always going to have those challenges, you know, because then, say you've been a nurse for a couple months or a year, and um, but today you have like a really sick little boy who's thrashing about, and you need to give this little boy an injection. <laughs> So that's oh, yeah. like a whole new thing, you know, another challenge, another labor mm-hmm. challenge. And, um, you know, just because we have, like, the experience, it, we know that the challenges aren't going to end. There's always going to be another challenge around the corner. Mm-hmm. You know, whether we're a nurse or a teacher, scientist, a witch, <laughs> a diviner <laughs> or a medium or a public speaker, you know, it, there's always going to be another challenge. And, um, yeah, and, you know, for, I think for those of us that, um, that do energy work, um, for divination or spell casting, spirit work, any of those things, but there's like a whole nother dynamic or a whole other layer of things that we need to consider, um, going on with those Mm -hmm. special areas of work in regards Impastors. Mm-hmm. So maybe I'll, I'll say a little bit about that, and then I want to shift to you and see what some of your thoughts are. Um, just so, like, for the magical empathy. Um, so we know, like, fear happens to all of us. It's unavoidable. It, it's part of what makes us human. And um, but fear can cause us to question and doubt ourselves. Um, 
this can be very difficult for those of us engaging in like the more esoteric arts. Because <laughs> um, it can cause us to question ourselves and lose confidence in, in our intuitive abilities and in like the messages we want to deliver. Um, and when that happens, that really kind of like puts a freeze on the good that we can do. Because I think most of us find our gifts are meant to be shared. And we don't do well when they're stifled. That blocked up intuitive senses can cause us to feel like a lack of purpose and and can even spiral down into like more fear and self-doubt. And that, you know, is the foundation of causing that whole cycle of imposter syndrome. Um, mm-hmm. So um, I think that, you know, you a lot of us have, you know, the raw abilities and um, we start out like that, but most of us need to kind of work on those and and develop them, you know, a little stronger um, as we go along, kind of refining them. Um, And I think that, you know, there's obstacles probably from our past where I think that probably many of us still were taught not to develop any of those types of abilities. Um, mm-hmm. Or we might have even been taught to fear our perceptions or any kind of connection to spirit. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and um, so, but the crazy thing with that is that 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 fear um, also makes it more difficult to really remain in touch with probably what's our our greatest source of guidance. And so, mm-hmm. one of the things that I thought of and I'll turn this over to you in a minute, is um, that many of these practices involve the intangible. And so I think, especially in the beginning of our development and practice, I think it's really important to receive, um, like, a proper validation. Um, And then as we go onward and develop and practice, um, spend time around others who are doing the same thing, we get to see that what was thought to be uncommon is actually pretty common, and we don't really we don't need the validation like like we used to. Um, so I think a major part of this path is learning how to put self doubt aside, because it can be so hard to trust what we feel or hear, um, and to see it as you know uh, divine guidance from either our higher self or from, you know, spirit world. And um, so, so there's two aspects of self that we'll always have to deal with every day, um, whether it's mundane, but more especially if you're doing spiritual work for others, and that's ego and fear. And, I, you know, I really think that those two are, are the bedrock um, foundation of imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, what are some of your thoughts and in the magical realm of things. In the magical <laughs> realm. Well, number one, um, it's interesting you mentioned it, and I'm just going to throw it back. Doubt is one of the things, obviously, one of the main things that sucks it, sucks the, the energy out of doing, you know, a magical working and, and creates the the energy to move into you know, that concept of questioning yourself. But doubt is the opposite of belief. So it's really essential to reinforce your belief, in your, your belief, um, your, the, that process. So obviously um, it does, you know, and again, the, the concept of, you know, this doubt is mm-hmm. part of the fight-flight energy pattern and then it it weakens our auras and it are you know affects our spiritual bodies and makes it feel inferior so when you're talking magic and doing magic Mm -hmm. or doing reading or doing energy work with any of the the modalities what you're dealing Mm -hmm. with is in you know number one it's intangible most of the time because you're doing something with tangible things you know most you know if you're doing magical workings Mm-hmm. but you're also using an intangible. So, you know, is it really 
is it really working? Did I do it or was mm-hmm. I just lucky? You know, that kind mm-hmm. of stuff mm-hmm. kind of undermines it. And right. a lot of, you know, what we need to um, do is reconnect by, you know, again, taking taking the understanding of working either getting into a group where you start to co-create something, even if it's a ritual, or, mm-hmm. it, you know, which reinforces, you know, yes, we're always, you know, the problem with humans is we always compare ourselves. Um, mm-hmm. But you stand in your, your center and you start to see your glow. I mean, you start to feel it, see it, sense it, taste mm-hmm. it, how you get it. Um, then you mm-hmm. move with that into what you do personally. So mm-hmm. um, it's, and I'm going to give a personal on this. You did the Monday and I'll do the, the <laughs> I had an experience just recently where there was a, a dead animal that my daughter found in, near my carport. Um, and, you know, it, we always go with, you know, oh my God, you know, what is the negative of this? What does it, you know, in, in, you know, import to us? And, um, but there was this other part of me that where it was sitting <laughs> was next to <laughs> the car that I was having heating problems with. And my son-in-law was checking the coolant and doing some stuff to get an idea what might be wrong. And um, I kind of went, okay, all right. So then, you know, I did my research. I checked the the this, you know, the animal, and it was literally right by the side where that particular problem turned out to be. And um, I kept looking and going, but but there's there's something else. And so obviously I did some more sitting with it and more energy, you know, kind of feel and started, what is it my body is telling me? You know, where do I feel this? Rather than fear, where do I, what do I feel here? And um, I'm going to give you a kudos. I did call Deb and, and ran this by her, which is another reason why you have people in your circle of, of workings that you use as, you know, like your coven without being a coven. And, you know, even if it's mm-hmm. non, you know, this is spiritual. There are other things of non-mundane, uh, more mundane. But it turns out that part of what, the you know the definition of some of this was was that you would have an internal knowing and you would know it would it would vibrate with you that this was what it was and yes it was a death rebirth because the pump and the things were dying or you know going there and i had to get it changed out rebirth and with the conversation that i had with deb and this other work that i had done and i sat with it it was like a resolution for me came and I could work with the spiritual side of what this was and shift it so that it was part of what I could do for myself, not just a client and where that was in my life. You know, it was a, it was a spiritual message, but rather than freak out and go completely (laughs) off the edge it was the sourcing of the information. So I think that's part of the magical process in doing it just like doing a spell or, you know, um, doing a reading or, you know, I mean, I worked with my pendulum and all these things and then mm-hmm. backing off and grounding and letting things come in and you'll get than the answers, but, you know, second-guessing and freaking out and saying you're not, you know, this is not worthy of, you know, I'm not worthy, I don't have the gift. Um, That's another reason why, and this is one of those where it was mentioned in one of the the things that I was researching, and, you know, how many certificates we have, and these are spiritual, you know, spiritual classes, Mm -hmm. spiritual degrees, spiritual you know, uh, whatever, workshops, you get a little certificate. And I said a long time ago, there was a, um, a file folder. 
and somebody, when we mm-hmm. were packing, said, what's this? And I said, oh, those are all my certificates for, you know, this, you know, I, this level of Reiki and that level of magical working. And this, you know, group of people gave me this thing. And I said, you know, the funny part is, is I could make a whole wallpaper out of all the certificates <laughs> because at uh-huh. the time when I was learning, I didn't have, you know, I was learning. So these things gave me a justification for feeling I had I got it. I had it. Mm-hmm. So I have the certificate. So that proves it, which is, you know, for magical mm-hmm. magical stuff, it is a viable way of looking at certain things. But mm-hmm. it's different than going to college or getting a, you know, a, a mechanics license and things of that nature. So mm-hmm. there's a point where you have to walk away from that. And I think that... Mm-hmm. That's what you and I were talking about when we were talking on the phone, but that's also what we're talking about here on the magical side. Mm-hmm. So there you uh, go. Yeah. That's my thoughts. <laughs> yeah. No, those are those are some those are some great thoughts. I just um yeah, I you know, one of the things that you mentioned that I really like doing um a lot and I've done it often on, on different work that I do is doing that whole journal and then writing down feedback is precious when you're first starting out doing things and um, being able to like log in the feedback um, mm-hmm. and uh, the work that you did um, is really wonderful because um, just like with a lot of things you know like the intangibles or whatever I think that um I think it's a very common thing for many of us to, like, really be excited about a certain thing and, you know, even um, tell the story about it in very vivid detail, whether the spirit that we were communicating with or, you know, uh, some spellcraft that went really well um, or whatever it is. And then... um, especially if we're having, like, a couple of bad days, you know, the glow of that kind of wears off. And then maybe if a bad spot, like, a week or two later, it would be like, ah, that probably was just a coincidence, you know. And it's just like, no, no. That's why I think it's really helpful to uh, record some of these things and to, you know, um, and write down that good feedback that you got. Um, Because I think Mm -hmm. that's something that people with imposter syndrome don't do is they don't celebrate their successes and they kind of have tuned out (laughs) any of the positive feedback that they've gotten and so um, I think that that really helps because we really need to lay doubt you know that's an ongoing process you know Mm -hmm. Um, and our doubts can be influenced by others for better or worse so that's you know another aspect I think um, when we're trying to learn to understand and interpret the the information that we're getting. And so, um, mm-hmm. good, like you were saying, supportive network. You know, mm-hmm. uh, don't seek support from those who are, uh, that are just automatically skeptical and don't share your beliefs. Um, seek out the people who you admire that are doing the, a similar sort of work as you are. Um, because those are the people that you would be able to get, like, best feedback from. Um, right. The other thing I kind of caution people um, when I um, recently, well, no, it was actually a few months ago, doing a class just on spirit work, and um, where, you know, some people get excited and they want to um, share that information. You know, um, the thing is, is that, you have to be careful. Like, don't always share it if it hasn't been solicited. Um, mm-hmm. so it's kind of like a basic consent thing because you go up to someone um, and just, you know, uh, feel out, you know, whatever information you've gotten. Um, it might not be in the best interest of the recipient. So we have to be careful about that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And just... Um, Plus, that will also mean that's a two-pronged thing where, you know, we will um, be less likely to have someone um, 
judge us or say something harsh. <laughs> um, right. If we don't, you right. know, just, uh, you know, get so excited and just go blurting out whatever. Um, right. But, yeah, yeah. Oh, we're getting close. Oh, my goodness. I'm yes, a talker sure. today. I better shut yes. up now. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have to get okay. it. You have to help us transition to it. But, yes, yes I know. Yes. I was, it was okay. this is so, a very good wait. topic there. Yeah, yeah, this is uh, this is a really good one, and um, I'm so glad that we're talking about it. I just want to say, um, just, um, oh, I know, I'll tell you, there's like a real simple ritual, very simple, that you can do to create a healing mantra to kind of counter um, your um, um, imposter, kick them out of your head. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so it's basically, I'll just this quick basically you're going to you know ground and center um draw down you know the healing, healing universal like energy and you know have a you know draw down through yourself ask your guides to help breathe relax get into a meditative state and then write down your top here do that write down next to it what your life would be like without the fear and then take that statement and make a mantra out of it. For example, real quick, fear of not being able to perform. So what I would write next to it is, without the fear, I feel happy and confident as I perform this new skill. And then my mantra would be, I feel great joy in helping others as I flow effortlessly through my work. <laughs> and so, cool. uh, And then you can pin that mantra up wherever you need it. <laughs> Put it in your bathroom mirror. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Well, it looks like we need to get moving here. (laughs) But that was excellent. We will. That was excellent. Thank you very much, Deb. I just squeezed that in there quick at the end. And so, um, oh, I should say um, that we are, this is Thursday, so we are starting Thursdays. um, And I spoke a little bit before there. and on Thursday, next week, Thursday, February 1st, we will be airing a rebroadcast of the seasonal uh, pagan celebration of the Invoke. And then the following week, we will be live again on our new schedule of Thursday, uh, 6 to 7 Central Time, where we will dive into February's theme of inner transformation. And we will be talking about the water spirit, Melusine, that night, Thursday, February 8th. And with that, I guess we're going to say goodbye. Uh, Goodbye. (laughs) With John, which well, and which wisely. Thank you for listening to The Witch, The Priestess, and The Cauldron, a radio broadcast on the LMC Radio Network. Our podcast airs live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Central, and is available for download. Questions or comments on this show or ideas for upcoming shows can be sent to our website at witchpriestesscauldron.com. That's witchpriestesscauldron.com. Until next time, merry meet, merry part, and merry meet again. Blessed be. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.